What's up, guys? This is my first solo episode of the Post Credits Pod. It is just me, no guests, no cousin Jordan, no T, no Bree, no nobody. Just me. So we're going to see how this goes. I kind of planned it out. I'm not just completely freestyling, you know what I'm saying? So hopefully this goes well. Uh, I need a lot of practice talking behind this mic, you know what I'm saying? I plan on doing a lot of episodes and a lot of stuff with it. And I figured what better way than just put myself out there and speak with some of my record it and let people hear it. You feel me? So, yeah, uh, if you like what you've heard so far in any other episodes or if you like what you hear from this episode that you're listening to now, once we get into it, please subscribe, give a five star rating and also follow the uh, follow the show at Post C Pod on Twitter. But, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get into my thoughts on uh last night's oscars uh, i'm recording this monday night i just got back home from the movies actually i went and saw three billboards my cousin and i were really excited to check that out because i mean we saw the awards it was nominated for and it was winning and i feel like that always happens like anytime you watch the oscars you're instantly inspired to see probably one of the movies that you haven't you know unless you've covered them all but that rarely happens i see a lot of movies but not that many um especially not the oscar worthy stuff some of that shit can get pretty weird or pretty boring i'm not gonna lie and so speaking of weird i'm just gonna go ahead and get right into it why the fuck did shape of water win best picture i mean i know why like i saw the movie i i get like the appeal and some of the performances were all the performances were great like the acting was was so well done i think it was hawkins i want to say sally hawkins so bad um she was like amazing considering she was supposed to be playing a mute and the way she was able to convey so much through just like her facial expressions and the the sign language and just her actions she she did an amazing job like that is by no means something that just any old actress can do uh so kudos to her she deserved any nomination she she got if she would have won uh bet in her for her own category like best lead actress or whatever the category is called of uh, i wouldn't have been mad at that at all she was great um um octavia i want to say octavius uh let's check the name real quick because i hate getting names wrong so you know I, I only got so much time to look shit up yes octavia spencer i was right i need to trust my gut she was great as well uh you know a bit of a typecast like she slid, slid right in there added what she needed to to the film did an amazing job and she, she was good uh, i don't have any problems with the movie other than the fact that it's about a woman fucking a fish man the shit was just weird okay like i get i like some nerdy shit i like some weird stuff i i like something that makes me think a little bit but damn like how much can i really care about a woman fucking a swamp thing it's just are falling. It's not just like they're fucking. It's not a fucking porno. Uh, they're they're falling in love. I guess of they're they're connecting in a way that's much deeper than something physical. And that's the point. It's like they're able to look past this, and they're even though they're not even of the same species, they fall in love, and there's an attraction there, and it's weird. Like it's it's beautiful when you talk about it, and if you know how to talk about it in the right way. But at the end of the day. It's a swamp monster who seduces a mute. I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. Del Toro 
is an amazing director though like the stuff he can put together the sequences the scenes that the movie wasn't ever really boring as much as i was just kind of like not that into it it's not because it was boring it's just because i wasn't that into the idea of a fucking swamp thing i don't know how many times i had to say that like not in this way like if i'm gonna watch a movie about a swamp monster i want it to be something that's gonna thrill me scare me something i don't know but not a love story i i just i don't know it's like i knew that's kind of what it was going into it but i didn't know how deep it would get and shit got pretty weird um but anyway so i just thought that was strange and to be honest i don't know what else i would pick to win this this category of best picture get out was wonderful that movie was great it was exciting all the way through uh, i can't really think of any bad things about that movie i just don't know if it's i guess it would have to be the best picture i mean there's some other ones i haven't seen i haven't seen phantom thread i don't plan on it daniel day lewis is great but i'm not watching that boring ass movie i'm not going to pay money to go sit somewhere and watch it if it comes on hbo sometime down the line maybe i'll check it out uh, so I could be, uh, you know, I'm not, I've only seen maybe almost barely even half the movies that were nominated out of nine. I think I saw three or four of them. So, uh, that might be a little unfair to, to say who I think should have won because I haven't seen them all, but I'm pretty sure if I watched them all, I would not pick shape of water. Like I'm 99% sure that that would have not been my choice for best movie. But anyway, moving on, I'm not, I'm not going to just keep ranting about that. Cause there's so much I want to get to that really goes beyond the movies and the nominations, uh, but more so uh, just some of the bigger conversations that kind of sprouted out from what we watched or what happened. I don't know if we were all watching. It was a long-ass show. I admit I was kind of in and out of it, but I really wanted to watch in case there was something interesting enough to talk about, and here I am. So uh, speaking of Get Out, I just want to talk about how happy I am for Jordan Peele that that's really great that he won. Like, that's not just, you know, some people can try to write that off as like, oh, okay, he got a screenplay. Like, no, it's a fucking Oscar, dude. I know he didn't get Best Picture, Best Director, but he won a fucking Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. To write something that gets nominated for an Oscar, let alone wins it, to write a screenplay for that is a huge accomplishment. The fact that he did that on his first try, his first full-length, feature-length film is amazing and then the fact that it's not even a type of genre that is even normally considered for uh, these types of awards of that's just like an amazing accomplishment i'm not even gonna sit here and talk about the fact that he was the first black man ever to win that particular award uh because it's pretty just it's absurd but we all we all know why that's the way it is just there hasn't been the opportunities presented to people of color, minorities, and things like that in Hollywood. Like, we all know that. And it's it's a big part of some things that I'll kind of touch on here on this podcast. Because it's, it's unavoidable at this point. Like, it's just the conversation that surrounds movies. If you talk about movies with somebody that watches enough of them or pays enough attention to kind of what goes on in Hollywood, this conversation comes up. The inclusion conversation or lack thereof and the Me Too movement and... Just all the awful things that are going around with these privileged, rich, white motherfuckers that think they could just get away with things and keep everybody out. And this elitist mentality and this hi- hierarchy, uh, just all this is it's very corrupt. And it's so much has come to light. And as stressful as it is to, to watch it all unfold, it's kind of beautiful in a way because you're seeing uh, it's you're seeing kind of like that snowball effect. Like more people are chiming in, more people are down to help one another. It gets really contagious and it sucks that like bad things have to happen in order for uh, 
that so many things have to happen to people in order for somebody to step up and to get some results but it is what it is it, it takes a while sometimes you know so it people their strength in numbers and when nobody's speaking up then it's going to stay that way for a while so salute to those that have come right out and talked about the lack of uh lack of representation lack of inclusion salute to those people that are coming out breaking the barriers openly speaking about it standing up for others uh shout out to them so but back back to jordan peele specifically i just thought that was really cool that he won that award i was like super happy for him i felt like i was cheering for the motherfucking rockets and somebody hit a game winner. Like, it, it just felt good. You know what I'm saying? I was excited. I legit stood up. I was turned up for the dude. Uh, that was really cool because I just wasn't really sure if he would win anything. I was like, oh, well, he's probably happy enough to get the nominations. But, now nah, he took home some hardware. So, shout out to him. For real. Um, and th the thing is, I think why I got so emotional or why I, felt, why I started rooting for him even more because it wasn't until recently uh that i really start like i, I definitely he, i was never not rooting for him but it really started to i started to feel more of that connection and i wanted to see him succeed on this night after i listened to a podcast a day or so before um i forgot the name of the actual podcast but it's hosted by leonard malton and his daughter jesse malton uh he like reviews movies for a newspaper or some shit. i don't know he's pretty well known in the movie industry and, uh, and for good reason he definitely seems like he knows his stuff and um, so anyway, they did an interview on that podcast. Jordan Peele was the guest. And there was this quote that stood out to me. And it was kind of casual. It's not like they tried to put all this weight on it. It was just in the midst of a conversation. But it stood out because you could tell that that is something that he really, truly felt. And it just kind of came out naturally. It wasn't like scripted. and But it stuck out to me when I heard him say it. And he says, I remember always getting this feeling, this burning, this desire to be included. There was a sorrow to it because I really believed I would never be included in this industry. Like, dude, like, cue the motherfucking tears. Like, that is some sad shit, you know, because when the the time that he's talking about this, because he's saying, I remember, he's talking about being a boy. Uh, I didn't include all of that in the quote because it was kind of it's kind of hard to do all that shit. It was it was a longer conversation. Uh, that can't be reduced to just those two sentences. But uh, he was he was talking about being a young boy and being a moviegoer, and his parents taking him uh, or watching watching the Oscars with his family, I believe, and things of that nature. And how he loved it, but he just really didn't believe that he would ever be able to get in the mix and get recognized for something that he did, whether it was acting or directing or whatever it is he wanted to do at that moment when in his life. Uh, so I thought that was just so sad to hear that and think of like a boy that can't even uh because of he's old enough to see some of the some of the awful nature of the reality he's in he's not able to dream the way he should at that age he's not able to really fully imagine himself doing certain things like most or like any kid should and that's really it's depressing you know uh it, it's sad to think about that there's kids out there uh, with that type of mindset already, you know, you're, I think he was, like you said, he was like 10 years old and he was already thinking like, oh, well, I can't do that. that that's, that's awful. You know what I'm saying? Like to think about, um, reminds me of like that quote from Black Panther, uh, where, uh, Killmonger is talking about growing up in, uh, growing up in Oakland. And he's like, just imagine that, you know, a kid from Oakland running around believing in fairy tales it's like yeah like imagine that you know what i'm saying there's a lot of kids in these neighborhoods has grown up with this and they don't have that type of representation and they're dealing with the things they're dealing with wherever they're growing up i don't think jordan peele necessarily grew up 
I don't know much about his history, so I'm not going to speak on that and where he grew up and his upbringing and the neighborhood he was in. I'm not going to assume it was a bad situation, but the fact is that when you don't see that representation on screen and and if you are dealing with an, uh, a tough environment at home, it makes it that much harder to be optimistic and have dreams. Um, but like, I'm not, I'm getting like too deep and philosophical, not deep, but I'm just diving a little too deep into this, but you get the idea. So I was super happy for the dude. I think that was amazing. And it makes me wonder what, what get out's success means going forward. Not just for Jordan Peele, because I think he's, he's, it sounds like he's already got stuff in the works and he's about to be a really busy man, which I'm, I'm thankful for. I plan on buying a ticket to pretty much any movie he puts out, you know, uh, I'm definitely going to check out, uh, I can't wait to see what he has next, but not just for him, but just for movies that, uh, like these social thriller, quote unquote types or, or whatever you want to count this movie as, as far as like a sub genre, um, like, as, are there going to be more movies like that that can seriously speak on the climate and the culture we live in today in a way that's entertaining, but still, accurate at times and so accurate that that's what kind of makes it a little bit creepy the way get out did or makes you take it serious uh because uh, there's always you know we all know there's a lot of sugar coating and things like that that go on the television industry to cover up the true nature of some people's intentions or beliefs and hopefully uh the I don't know, get out. It's like it was it was in your face, but it wasn't. It was in a very tasteful way that didn't try to preach to the people watching and try to condemn every white person in the world. It was kind of like a tone of like, hey, if you don't think this is wrong or if or if you're just overly sensitive and not used to having a white savior in every movie, then, yeah, you're probably going to be a little offended by this. But otherwise, everybody should watch this and be entertained and be pretty freaked out by what they're seeing because, they see that it's like some sick shit. And uh, I guess what, what I'm trying to say here is a movie that can have a message like what Get Out has and have some diversity on and off the screen involved in making this film and it be successful and convey that message in a way that people don't reject it automatically or the masses don't. Uh, that it can be accepted by everybody as like a good piece of work that's worth watching. So hopefully Get Out opens the door for more di more cultural diversity and uh, points of views within films of like all kinds of genres. Uh, I think that would be great. So we'll see what happens there. Um, another movie that I did want to get into in a, with a particular person in mind, we'll, we'll talk about Francis McDormand after I talk a little bit about the movie, was... Uh, three billboards. I'm not about to say the whole title because, well, I get three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, I think is what it was. Long, weird ass title, but it's very blunt. Like, that's literally what the movie's about. Um, I, I don't know what the fuck to think about this motherfucking movie. It was weird and not weird in like a trippy sci fi kind of way, uh, or weird in like a spiritual experience type of way it was just weird in the way like people interacted with each other i'm not from uh where they, i think it was in missouri yeah i'm not from there i've lived in the south and i've met a lot of southern hick white trash country ass people i've met all i've met the types of people that you see in this movie the types of characters uh 
but I don't know if the way the way they the way people talk to each other in this movie was so fucking strange. Sometimes it's like okay, I get it, I see that, and then sometimes it just felt like either very forced writing or very lazy writing. Um, like some of the names, like the I think they thought were supposed to land it, like the name calling in the movie, and I, whoever whoever was writing this shit, it's like I don't know if they thought it was it was gonna land a certain way and be funny in the film but like when like for instance uh the boy's dad in the film i don't remember the name but the boy's dad calls him fruit loop boy because he had some cereal in his hair because of something that happened previously that's not that important but it's just like fruit loop boy i guess that's something people say it's just when he said it in the movie it just like little stuff like that i know that, that i guess that's not a very good example or fat little mexican boys it made me feel like oh uh, they're trying really hard to show how racist and ignorant people in this town are, which I can appreciate because it's like you know, be realistic. Some people, people in towns like this, especially in the South, probably say some pretty absurd things. I'm not saying that's inaccurate, but sometimes the placement of it felt super weird, and it was like it made you so uncomfortable because it was so inappropriate that it, you. I think to myself, like I know people are super ignorant and they're bigots and racist, but do they really say that in times like that? It, it's hard to explain. It's like you got to watch the movie and get the feel for it. Uh, a lot of stuff um, seems out of place. Like the, just the way people talk to each other throughout the whole movie is fucking weird. Her, uh, the mother of the movie, the main the, who is played by Frances McDormand, right? Uh, let me make sure that's the name. So bad with names, McDormand. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So the mother, her children like call her a cunt in the movie, and it's just kind of accepted as like, oh, that's how it is uh they like they laugh about it and i get that she's like this cool mom who's probably rough who is rough around the edges and maybe been through some things and she's just super down to earth and cuss words don't face her she's strong whatever she's gritty like i get that but it, it was just weird and so maybe i'm just being a little bitch uh and but some of that stuff rubbed me the wrong way it didn't like offend me it just didn't make sense to me um dixon Although I loved his character arc, and at the end I really got to appreciate kind of what they were doing with him. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not going to spoil the movie, by the way. I probably should have been said that, so people don't cut this part off. But it's, it's kind of hard to spoil a movie like this anyway, because of the, what it's about and the way it ends. But I'm not going to get into all that. But he has a great, but this officer named Dixon, who is, was played by the guy that won for that uh, category. Let me check out his name real quick. Sorry guys, I know quick lull, not a good idea. Um, <sighs> ah, here we go. Sam Rockwell, Officer Dixon. What the fuck? So he won for his category. Woody Harrelson was also nominated in the same category. So that that was another thing that really made me want to check the film. I was like, two guys, same category, nominated from the same. Like I was like, everybody must be crushing their roles. And I'm not saying that they didn't. Uh, like I said, my main issue with the movie was just some of the writing and the awkward dialogue. Um, but Sam Rockwell, he kills it. He crushes it because you really fucking hate him. But the thing is, I don't know if he was overacting. I'm pretty sure they told him to do this. But he was constantly drunk and incompetent and ignorant. All of the above. And hung over at the same time. All of the above. Of every, almost every scene of the movie. Till maybe like a little bit towards the end. And it was weird. It would be broad daylight. And he's like, he can barely stand up. He's drunk, sweating, out of breath, throwing up. 
saying stupid ass shit he's ignorant as fuck just spewing stupidity all the time and some of it's funny but some of it's really like i said ill-placed and so i don't know i mean it's the dark comedy of it it's like you're not sure if you're supposed to laugh but you kind of can't help but laugh god i feel like I'm, i'm not wrapping the movie up with my words very well um so all I'll say is it's a weird movie. Check it out. It's it's great in certain ways, but in other ways, I I just thought, what the fuck, while I was watching it. And if I was a movie maker, person, director, whatever, there's a lot of decisions I probably wouldn't have made. But I'm not. I don't think I ever will be. So that doesn't really fucking matter. But there was just some weird shit that I wish would have happened differently. But at the same time, I can't appreciate the unexpectedness in the movie. So if you want to watch a movie that you're not going to be able to guess what happens at any given scene... Watch the movie. Check it out. Um, but anyway, so to, to speak on what's really more important to me about this movie isn't so much the actual piece itself um, or the performance by Frances McDormand, which was really good um, as Mildred Hayes. She was, she was wonderful and she deserved that award. But her speech and what she talked about after that was like fascinating to me because um, it just speaks to kind of how I feel about certain things and certain issues and and how people should tackle them head on. Um, So in her speech, she talks about like the, the, the whole movement going on in Hollywood right now, the me too movement and just things of that nature. Like I, like I was saying earlier, how all this lack of inclusion and the elitist white male idea, ideology surrounding Hollywood, how that's kind of, being targeted right now and rightfully so and so she talks about that and specifically she talks about a policy that she just found out about apparently pretty recently and i just thought this was crazy um so she talks about what is called an inclusion rider which is basically something like you would put in the the contract for a film right and so if you have like a big time actor a-list actor you got motherfucking tom cruise will smith uh uh leo you know what i'm saying Wahlberg. i don't know i'm just throwing names out there but you get the idea you get the rock whatever you get get these big name guys or 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 gals you know what i'm saying there's definitely some some amazing a-list actresses uh that you could put in these situations see it's just it's built into the way we talk i just start naming off dudes like there aren't amazing women out there but anyway i'm not about to get into all that shit because that that's that's something i gotta do with my own my own uh fragile masculinity nah but um so what 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 i i did a little research and i I looked up i didn't do that much research i I never do but i did look up an amazing article from colin dwyer on national public radio uh good stuff and that's where i got most of my info from almost all of it honestly uh, and so it was interesting. Over the last decade, this was published last year, this study. Over the last decade, which was across 900 films, just 31.4% of the characters in all these films were female, even though a little bit more than half of the U.S. population is female. So that right there, you see like kind of a large uh, disparity between reality and what you're seeing in Hollywood. Um, 
women are represented 4.2% of the by 4.2% of the directors and just 1.4% of the composers. Now that's crazy because I know after seeing motherfucking Ladybird, not that I needed to see that one movie to prove it, but after seeing a movie like that, I you can't help but open your eyes and say, "Man, like damn." Oh, and Wonder Woman, too. Another perfect example. Completely different genre, but still, same thing applies. Just because a woman don't mean you can't direct. And I feel like I just said like a really stupid statement. But it's like these people don't get it. That's that elitist mentality, that hierarchy. That, oh, well, women, yeah, we'll put them on the screen. Put a pretty face on there and let her act. Ooh, that that's nice. But you can't get back here behind a camera. You can't use all this stuff. You're not smart enough uh to be able to write scripts you don't know how to you don't know how to how to direct a movie and how to guide a scene in the right direction you don't know how to edit you don't know how to do the music you don't know how to do this that, and the other it it's like it's it's fucked up dude like 4.2 percent that's a lot of movies 900 movies only four percent of them were female directors that's pretty ridiculous so um, and I guarantee you that the opportunities that they did get were not other than like Wonder Woman and now Lady Bird, which didn't start out as big, obviously, kind of a low budget, very low budget film. Um, it I forgot where I was going with it. Oh, um, yeah, like a, a lot of the a lot of the exa- the types of opportunities they were probably getting in those 900 films that were looked at over that last decade were probably like some shitty opportunities that they just had to work with what they got. You know, which sucks, and so which leads to obviously a final result that is not—it's not up to par. And then you could say, "Oh, well, see, she—it's a shitty movie." You know, look at the director. You know, uh, I'm not saying that that's literally how the conversations go, but you know that happens in some in some of these rooms with, with the with the guys with paying the bills. You know what I'm saying? Uh, making the decisions. So, yeah, I think that's an amazing thing. To look at is just look at look at the disparity between a uh, total amount of pieces of work being done and then the amount of women that are involved behind the camera. That's pretty crazy. I didn't think that I knew there'd be a small amount, but I didn't think it would be four point two percent or one point four for what was it? Oh, composers like that was pretty crazy to me. Um, and so and what else is crazy is the fact that uh, Frances McDormand has been in the film business, she says, for 35 years. And she just is now finding out about this very recently about this inclusion writer. So basically that allows these A-listers, like I was bringing up earlier, allows these A-listers to ask or actually even really demand, you know, depending on how much this movie probably needs. If they're A-lister, they can probably do that. Uh, demand that there's just appropriate inclusion and diversity on staff, like I think on camera and behind the scenes as well. Um, just in general, and so I think that's pretty powerful. Like, the, and it it just speaks to how people try to they'll implement something and then try to hide it. That way, people aren't really utilizing it to the extent that they could. So, hopefully, now that it's been put out there on the uh, for on one of the biggest stages in the film industry, if not the biggest stage in the film industry, other than the movie theater itself, uh, it's been put out there by somebody that hopefully it keeps happening and now or does i will say not even keeps happening hopefully it starts happening hopefully these actors start saying hey you know what i'm gonna use my privilege whether it's just male privilege or white male privilege uh the best kind to have uh, in this in this country uh whether they use that privilege to say hey like we need more people that look like this 
to be here. Just because a person looks like this does not mean they are not more than capable of doing the job. And so we need to change that around. We need to open up some doors for everybody. We need to level the playing field here. We need to give everybody equal opportunities in this field and stop assuming that one is better than the other just based off the color of their skin. Or that one is more capable or has a better education or whatever the case may be. Um, and so what I really liked is how this kind of like she was really challenging everybody listening to her to to kind of uh, get rid of that out being an ally from a distance complex. Like, I, I want to see you do well. and I'm going to hashtag shit. I'm going to bring it up in conversations to let you know I care. But I'm not really going to make sacrifices. I'm not really going to call people out. I'm not really going to make demands. I'm just going to watch you do it and root for you from the sidelines while I still eat. You know, I, I think that's that's a big deal. It's like how it's kind of just that whole idea of how guilty is the the bystander that says nothing like you're just, you're to me. You're almost just as guilty as a person that's actually committing a hate crime. If you watch the shit get done and say nothing. And I'm not saying that lack of inclusion on a micro level is like a hate crime, but on a macro level, it is. It's oppression, not giving people opportunities that they are qualified for and deserve because of how they look or because of their uh, their sexual orientation or gender or whatever the case may be, whatever they identify as. Not giving them opportunities because that is just flat out wrong and that is oppression. And on a macro level, that's just blatantly racist. Um. So, yeah, uh, I think I think that was powerful. And I really hope that between Jordan Peele getting his getting the mix and stirring some things up, and then I think this the Black Panther just coming in and showing like, hey, like a movie with an all black cast can be amazing. And so maybe some of these white motherfuckers can see that because black people know that black people have been watching black film that have black films that have been made on low budgets and love them and they're a part of their life and their culture. And white people just assume that that's all shit like it's not worth watching it's not up to par there were people that didn't even think that get out was quote unquote not oscar worthy and so it just to get more representation on screen maybe some of that can be reversed in white people's minds and they can kind of wake the fuck up and be like hey like you don't have to have a white person be a hero in a movie for it to be good uh hopefully some things like that can change with uh, the type of inclusion we'll see on and off screen and in the writing rooms and with stuff like Atlanta. I know that's not a movie, but Atlanta kind of is playing a role in that and showing like, hey, we got young, smart, talented writers of color creating possibly the best show on television right now. Uh, and so, you know, if that transfers over to Hollywood, then great. And I hope that more women... Uh, and just non-white people keep getting these roles because white people been eating it all up. It's time for everybody to kind of join together and make some great shit together. And uh, I think this year's Oscars was definitely a step in the right direction. And shout out Jimmy Kimmel too. Jimmy Kimmel is that dude. I fuck with Jimmy. He keeps shit classy. He says what he's got to say. It's usually actually pretty funny. He's an amazing host. I think he should just host everything. Um but yeah, I've talked long enough by myself. Like, this is a really long time for me to just express my thoughts. I've talked for 31 straight minutes. That's ridiculous. Uh, I'm just not used to this. But yeah, I, thank you for listening. If you listened all the way through, send me your thoughts, opinions, uh, 
send send all that shit to the post C pod on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Follow us there at P-O-S-T-C-P-O-D on Twitter. Um, go ahead and subscribe if you like what you heard. If you like my voice, you know what I'm saying? You like my voice, go ahead and give that shit a subscription, you know, uh, in a five-star rating. Uh, or if you just like what I got to say, or if you just feel like being friendly and making me feel good because I love seeing subscriptions, I love seeing the ratings. It's great. I want to keep doing this and seeing shit like that makes me want to keep doing this. So yeah, show some love, support the boy and just be on the lookout for more stuff. Uh, the next episode I have will be over the Avengers. I'm diving back into the Marvel Universe. I took a little break with this episode. It'll be over the Avengers. And we should have episode 2 of Atlanta on that beach. I'm excited. So, that's all I have for this week. Or not this week, but this episode. <laughs> and I hope you guys enjoy it. Alright, I'm out.